there's another segment in verses 16 through 21 that we didn't get to this morning. But it is very important and I wanted us to get to it tonight. And it's what I call point number three, the presumption he expressed. The presumption he expressed. He became presumptuous in his life, in his leadership, in the God-given role that he had. He stepped out of bounds, if we could say that. And he got out of his lane. That lane that God had designed for him to run in. And by the way, tonight, every single one of us in this room, we have a lane, a God-given lane that God has put us in. A place of service. A place in life, an assignment. A location. A vocation. A calling on our life, an assignment that He gives us to fulfill every single day. I want you to look back in Second Chronicles. Let's pick up where we were this morning, verse 15. I do feel like it's important to read that verse again. About this man Uzziah. Now remember, let's, let's do a little remembering from this morning. He was 16 years old when he began to reign. He was thrust in that leadership role because his father was assassinated. By the way, if you study ancient times, you will understand that was not an uncommon thing. Unfortunately, it was very common. There were always, especially in heathen empires, coups. and An effort to take out the current leader. And we read this morning, or discovered this morning, that this was brought on and allowed by the Lord. Many believe out of judgment. Uh, his father uh, turned away from the one true and living God and he began to go after the gods of the Edomites. And the Lord allowed this, obviously, to take place and happen. And in the sovereignty of God, uh, Uzziah was brought to the forefront as the king at 16. The prophet Zechariah was a heavy influence in his life for a long time. And for 50 years, it seemed, Uzziah sought the Lord, and he did right. And God prospered him, and God blessed him. And verse 15 has a very interesting statement. It says, And his name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. In other words, we could understand that the blessing in the hand of God was strong on his life, but then... God withdrew his hand and withdrew his favor. And what caused the Lord to do that was Uzziah's pride. The fact that he began to see himself as the source of his strength. That God helped him until Uzziah saw himself as strong. Verse 16, but when he was strong, in other words, when he realized, oh, look how powerful I am. Look at how great I am. Not, not, look at how great God has blessed. But look at me. Be careful. Be careful, ladies and gentlemen, whenever that desire begins to rise up and you sense that desire. Look at me. Look at what I've done. Look at what I have accomplished. 
Look at my worth and my greatness and my appeal. Look at me. And it should never, ever be about us. But that was what his attitude had become. And when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. Do we not find this in the book of Proverbs at least twice? Where it talks about pride goeth before what? Haughty spirit before destruction. So it says that his heart was lifted up to his own destruction. And then God begins to give us, in verse 16, exactly what happened. How he was destroyed. For he transgressed against the Lord his God. And here's how he transgressed. Because he went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. Now stop right there just a moment, ladies and gentlemen. Why was that such a problem? Well, let me tell you why. Because God had strict instructions all through the Old Testament. Very strict instructions on who could go into what part of the temple. Not everybody could even go into the temple. And certainly there was a section where only a select few and then there was one place where only a select one person could go in and that was the high priest it was the job and the responsibility and the assignment of the high priest to go into that area to offer the burnt offering to offer the incense upon the altar of incense but for whatever reason and I've tried to think I've tried to analyze Why in the world would King Uzziah want to do that to begin with? He knew what God's requirements were. He knew the Lord had left strict guidelines that only uh, uh, this one man, the high priest, could could go in there. He knew all that. What, what, What was it that caused him to get out of his lane? It says that he tried to go in in verse 17 and Azariah the priest went in after him so the high priest here comes the high priest man he's doing everything he can to stop him from going in for violating the law of God and bringing the judgment of God down on his own head can I say this to you that God help us to be careful and to put the brakes on whenever we're about to do something and we get rebuked or we get a word of warning And sometimes that word of warning, sometimes it's legitimate, sometimes it's not. But I want to be the kind of Christian where I put the brakes on whenever God in His providence orchestrates all that together and I get a little check in my spirit. I pray that. I pray, Lord, if this is not right, and I know you do the same, and we ought to. Lord, if this isn't right, and I'm talking about trying to discern the mind of God. I'm talking about in areas that are not clear in Scripture. Here was an area that was crystal clear, and yet he was doing it anyway, and God sent rebuke to him through the high priest. The high priest said, you can't do this, don't do this. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit whenever someone does confront, and sometimes it may not be a direct confrontation, you see. Sometimes it might be the words of a friend, or the words of a fellow church member, or maybe something the pastor says, or a Sunday school teacher says, or some Bible instructor says, or a prayer partner. 
hey, I've even learned that sometimes in my life, it's the words and counsel of my wife that offers this rebuke and this warning. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about there? Let's be careful not to be dismissive of that. And not to just go on like it's nothing. Because even the warnings we get in life are from the Lord. They're orchestrated by God. It's not just the steps of a good man, as one person said, that are ordered by the Lord. But the stops of a good man are ordered by the Lord. There are times when the Lord purposely allows counsel, advice, even unsolicited advice at times. Can I tell you, and just transparently, transparent tonight with you, I've learned so much in my life through even unsolicited advice. I try to filter that through the wisdom of the Lord and His leadership in my life. And even as a 40, almost 47-year-old man, even as a pastor, a minister, a preacher, I try to, and I want to be sensitive to God when there is a rebuke. Nobody is too old a Christian Nobody has such a high position of authority in a ministerial setting or any other setting in the local church where we are, we, there's nobody above the need of reproof. Even a preacher. Even the king. And he got out of bounds. Because of his own ego cause of his own pride notice what happened here comes the high priest Azariah he went in and four score priests of the Lord there were 80 of the Levites 80 of the priests who along with Azariah they saw this developing and I don't know what kind of fanfare I mean it'd be hard for the king of the land to come into the temple inconspicuously He may, I'm sure, probably came in with an entourage. It'd be like a public official walking in our back door right now. Regardless of whether or not we were even paying attention, that would automatically garner attention right then. So here comes the king waltzing into the temple. That was probably unusual. So they were paying attention to what was going on. And then when he begins to enter into the holy place, Shazam! You can't do that. Whoa, stop, stop. Azariah the high priest, here he comes. Stop. King Uzziah, stop. Eighty of the Levites, stop. And they're trying to block him. And they're trying to stop him. And he's so, be careful about this, he's so headstrong. You ever seen somebody like this? Some of you, when you're reading this and I say that, you think about maybe... Your own children when they were young people or teenagers or maybe even yourself when you were young. And I've had you tell me, just like I've told you, you know what? When I was a certain age, nobody could tell me anything. I wouldn't listen. It's a shame that here's a man that's 66 years old now. And he's done so good all of his life. This is another example of how one bad decision, are you with me? One. One decision rooted in pride 
One decision. One rooted in flesh. Listen, don't ever forget five seconds lived in the flesh can ruin your life and mine. One selfish decision, selfishly motivated, can wreck your testimony. It can wreck my testimony and can harm our families for generations to come. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, this dude died a premature death and had the judgment of God come on him and ultimately the consequences filtered down in his family because of a pride-driven and ego-driven decision. And the message to us tonight is crystal clear. Lest we fall into that same trap. Verse 18, and they, these men, these 81 men, the high priest and the 80 Levites, they withstood Uzziah. They tried to stop him. They rebuked him. They stood in his way and said, It appertaineth not unto the Uzziah to burn incense unto the Lord, but the priests, the sons of Aaron, are to consecrate the burnt incense. Go out of the sanctuary. You've trespassed here. Neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. In other words, this is not part of God's plan for you. This doesn't honor the Lord. And he's not going to honor you by bending the rules in order to sanction this. You see what they're saying? But instead of going out, instead of stopping, instead of waking up to the reality of all this... And seeing how foolish he was being, notice what happened. And he got mad. Verse 19. Then Yazai was wroth. Dude, he was angry. And he had a censer in his hand. He had already laid a hold of the censer that was used to burn incense. I want to ask you a question. I mean, It begs being asked by all of us. When we are rebuked, how do we respond? Do we get mad? Because how we respond to reproof and correction, even as an adult, as a grown-up, as a mature Christian, Our immature Christian, how we respond to that says a lot about us, doesn't it? And it says a lot about where we are with the Lord. Are we going to get mad? Are we going to get inflamed? Are we going to get angry? Sometimes spouses get mad at one another just because one spouse voices in the right way, voices their opinion. And sometimes, and thank God, by the way, husband, thank God, wife, if your spouse is loving enough and loves you enough and loves Jesus enough to admonish you along spiritual lines, don't get mad. For the young people that are here tonight, don't don't get mad when your parent or an adult lovingly comes and offers a word of rebuke and reproof. Or when a Christian brother comes or maybe a coach or a teacher or somebody. And this is good for all of us. God help us not to to get further in the flesh. Even by our response. Well, 
well, I tell you what, I tell you, I, 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 I wrote them off. Why'd you write them off? Well, because one time, well, they told me something I didn't like. Well, man, that's life, isn't it? Welcome to the rest of us. <laughs> isn't that okay, though? I've been told things that I don't like. You have too. God help all of us to have grace and to have the holiness and humility of God all over us and to be spirit-controlled people where even if we don't think initially that the counsel is right, that we process it and wait on the Lord for Him to help us to decide all of that. You see what God's saying here? Be careful. Let's not just be dismissive of it. Let's wait on the Lord for Him to work it out in our spirit. Watch what happened, verse 19. And while He was wroth, He was angry with the priest. The leprosy even rose up in His forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. His hand was on the censer. And He's fiery mad. You ever seen somebody so mad? And I mean, even after 81 of those men of God rebuked him and tried to stop him, he was more determined than ever to proceed with, here it is, his plans. Why? Because that's what he wanted to do. It's his plan. He wanted this. He was determined to do it. Nobody was going to stop him. He was blinded, and I'm going to use the words, that I'm, I'm going to quote what somebody else said about it. He was intoxicated by his own pride. You ever dealt with an intoxicated person? You can't deal with them. They're unreasonable. They say mess. They do mess. I mean, it's just craziness, right? Uzziah was intoxicated with pride and ego. You couldn't deal with him. God help us. Nothing will intoxicate us any quicker or any more destructively than our own pride and ego. I'm telling you, you want to have a bad case of spiritual blindness? Let yourself get duped. It'll be, it'll be the worst moments and the worst hours and worst season that you could possibly live. And you don't even realize how bad it is. And when the leprosy came up on his skin, Azariah, verse 20, and the chief priests and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they did what they had to do. They thrust him out. Hasted, yea, he himself ran, hasted also to go out. They didn't have to force him out. He ran out of his own accord because he was realizing now what was going on. He realized the Lord had smitten him. And Uzziah the king, 30 seconds before, he was the king. And now he was a leper. Under the day of his death, verse 21, and he dwelt in a several house. It literally means a separate location. 
That means he, had, he was banished from the palace. Now stop. This is the king. He was put out. Put out of the royal residence. Wasn't allowed. Hey, hey, if, if, if you know anything about leprosy in the ancient days, particularly in the Old Testament, it was a, at that time, they considered it a disease that you couldn't be cured from. You were banished from regular population, forced, not able to hug your wife again, your children, your grandchildren, and you had grandchildren by this time. Never, never again would they sit on his lap. Never again would he feel the hug and embrace of his kids or his grandkids or his wife. No pat on the shoulder anymore. No holding of the hand. Nothing, nothing. Done. Because of his pride. All, all because of his pride. All because he got out of his lane. He somehow, somehow got into the realm of discontentment where God had placed him. And he decided, well, you know what? I can assume this role. I can venture out and get out of my God-given area. And that's what he did. And he was cut off, verse 21, from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. So he was a vice-regent, a vice-king, in the stead of his father for two years until Uzziah died. And you know maybe the saddest part, I want you to hear me now. All this, all this could have been avoided. The man would have just walked in humility. Now that's, that's easier said than done, isn't it? Yeah. So I want to say a couple of things tonight as we draw to, to a conclusion. This man, because of his pride, went into the holy place, tried to offer incense. It was not his role driven and motivated by pride. And it's interesting that even the Jewish historian Josephus, based on Amos 1.1, Amos was a prophet. And referring back to this event, even Josephus, the noted Jewish historian, says that there was an earthquake referred to in Amos 1.1 that occurred at the very moment here that he tried to offer the incense and persisted in his anger and his pride. And when God smote him with leprosy, there was an earthquake. That's what many believe. As a sign of God's anger and wrath upon what was happening. This kind of pride, ladies and gentlemen, can cause us to overstep our bounds. And can cause us to go beyond what God has allowed and ordained for us in our lives. And it can cause us to step out of our God-given lane. One writer said, his heart being elated and lifted up, he went into the temple to burn incense, assuming the functions of the high priest. But because of his pride, he persisted, and he would not listen, and God struck him with leprosy. This action was caused by the intoxicating influence of overwhelming pride and vanity. It goes back to the old adage that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. We 
We see this very same thing in Lucifer in Isaiah chapter 14. We see it in Adam and Eve in Genesis 3. We see it in Samson in Judges 15 and 16. We see it in David in 2 Samuel chapter 11 that because of past success and because of hidden ambition and a, a, a prideful blindness and ego, we go where we shouldn't go. We say what we shouldn't say. We assume what we shouldn't assume. We take what we shouldn't take. We we desire what is not ours legitimately and lawfully to have. It could be somebody else's spouse. It could be somebody else's position. It could be somebody else's status in life. It could be somebody else's money. Charles Spurgeon said, And I quote, what a warning this is to prosperous Christians. The truth is, all of us are. He said, when we are weak, we lean upon the Lord more and are safe. And he's right. But when we're strong, the temptation, he said, is to become, notice the words he uses, self-important. And when that happens, Spurgeon said, a fall is near. More fall among the strong, he said, than among the timid and the trembling. Let that sink in just a moment. So here's takeaway number three. Remain in your God-given lane. Where you are in your life. What God, where God has placed you with what he's given you to do. Listen, live in contentment. Again. God is not squishing or squashing your ambition. That's not not the point of the passage. The point of the passage is, and the point of the message is, where you are right now, be content. Live in God's sovereign control in your life. Do not fall prey to the intoxicating pride that we see in Uzziah's life. He ventured out. And he presumed some things. And can I tell you this? Sometimes this intoxicating pride, sometimes it can turn some into micromanagers. I'm looking at some individuals tonight, and you have those working under you. You, You're a boss. Others answer to you. You have subordinates in your life, whoever that is. And this can turn you into becoming a micromanager. You're driven by pride. You want to exert your will over those under you to a point that is unreasonable. Be careful about that. Be careful about that being motivated. And I'm not saying that being a micromanager is a sin. Here's what I'm going to say about that. You have to govern your own heart and let God help you with that because it can be a sin if it's motivated by pride. It can be wrong if if you're trying to stack the deck in your favor as a leader, as a boss, as an employer. That can be a problem. You can venture into areas of sin And all of us have seen areas of of those who were in leadership who became such a micromanager that it did hinder the work and it did become a sin. Be careful about that. Stay in your lane about that. 
Be content with where God's placed you and what he's given you to do. Sometimes it leads some, and listen to me, sometimes it leads some into adultery or sexual sin. I'm talking about getting out of your lane. I'm talking about this intoxicating pride. Have you ever wondered, because I have, wonder why it is that highly profi- highly popular, highly publicized public figures, why does it seem like that they're more prone to commit sexual sin or violate their marriage vows or have illicit affairs and relationships? Why does that seem to be the case? Am I the only one that's ever asked that question? Why is it that politicians seem like that they're almost, many of them, ripe for this type of sin? Pastors. Why does it seem like that more pastors and public officials succumb to this sin? Maybe than any other profession or vocational calling. Why? Is it just a coincidence? No, I don't believe it is. One writer in an article from the Washington Post, she entitled the article, and I want you to hear me carefully now, listen carefully. It's called The Intoxication of Power. She discusses in the article several Recent examples of public figures overstepping their bounds, and that's what we're talking about, isn't it? And committing sexual sins. And she says this, The fault lies with an abundance of hubris and stupidity that contributed in large part to each leader's fall from grace. Hubris and stupidity, she said, generated through the intoxication of power. Listen to what she said. Somewhere along the way, these leaders must have begun to believe their own press releases. Perhaps they internalized the adulation that others showered upon them, which in turn stoked the flames of an ego that was already burning too brightly. Listen to those words. Success in navigating past risk may have fueled their belief that the risk they were taking with women could be easily managed. And I want to time out. I want every eye right here. Every man in this room. Please. Please, men. Do not fall for the lie and the myth that we can be risky with other women and we not get burned by that. You say, well, where do you find that at? I find, in the, find it in the Word of God, particularly in the book of Proverbs, where he says you cannot take fire into your bosom and not get burned. And he says that in relation to sexual sin. I go on. Each of these individuals, she said, partook of the privileges of their positions, finding themselves... In her words, above the ordinary, 
living heady, fast-paced lives with an entourage of staff to support their needs. All four of these leaders made, the ones she's referring to, important decisions. They mingled with important people. They visited important places. They touched the lives of many people and set agendas for other people's future. Listen, somehow though, as positional power transmuted into personal power, they drank the Kool-Aid and were hooked. You see what she's saying? Power like mainline heroin, imparted a euphoria that these people where they wanted more. So the syringe got filled with things like sex and their reckless pursuit of it became their undoing. End of quote. Now that came from an unsaved, as far as I know, secular writer But I'm telling you, she's spot on. And I say this in love and just let the Holy Spirit take the truth and let the chips fall where they may. But every successful man in this room, and I'm just going to assume all of you men are successful, and every successful woman in this room, we must be on our guard. Let me go a step further. We must be on our knees, living in humility and holiness before the Lord. Because if we don't think that we can be tempted by this, we're grossly mistaken. Every one of you men in this room, especially you men that have been obviously successful at your business, in your marriage, in your life, You automatically draw attention and you attract the attention sometimes of other women. I'm just saying we got to be careful. Can I get an amen tonight? One writer described it this way. Leadership at its core is all about power and influence. And leaders, and again, separate writers, same words, can become intoxicated by power, engaging in wrong behavior, listen to this, simply because they feel like they can and simply because they feel like they can get away with it. Well, nobody's going to check up on me. Nobody's going to ask me about this. Nobody's going to ask me about that. Nobody's going to suspect that I've done anything. And it's a lie. And it's self-deception driven by self-conceit. And I say this. Let's go back to the Bible. I say this to every man. I say this to every married man. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. Listen to the words of your Bible, Proverbs 5, 15 through 18, where God says to us, men, when it comes to this, you drink waters out of your own cistern. Running waters out of your own Well, let thy fountains be dispersed abroad in rivers of water in the streets. Let them be only thine own and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed. Who's he talking about? He says it right here. He's talking about rejoicing with the wife of thy youth. You know what he says there? The one God has given you. You stay in your lane. Can I get a witness? 
Stay in your lane. Don't be blinded by pride and by self-conceit. Don't be flirtatious. Just because you know and you're not dumb, just because you know there will be some people in your life that will just... Just because of your position, just because of your personality, and just because of your possessions, they'll show you kindness and favor and flattery. And I'm saying this to you, and God help all of us, in the name of Jesus, don't buy into that mess. You be on your guard spiritually. And let's not, listen, let's not, let's not, any of us, let's determine by the power of the Holy Ghost of God We're not going to buy into that. We're going to love our wife. And ladies, you're going to love your husband. And you're going to be true to God and true to them. And true to that covenant that we made standing at a marriage altar somewhere. So it leads some into adultery or sexual sin. It causes some to misuse funds. Again, I, I know who's here tonight. We're business people, businessmen and women, many of you on your job, with your job, you deal with funds and money and finances. And if we're not careful, and I like what one person said, said if you can't be trusted with a dime, you can't be trusted with $10,000. Isn't that true? So let's pray this prayer tonight, okay? Here's the prayer I'm going to pray. I'm going to say, Lord, help me to live in total contentment your plan for me. Your place for me, your spouse for me, your position for me. and Help me to stay in my lane. And not get duped with the intoxication of pride that caused Uzziah Become a leper and shorten his life and shortchange his family in the kingdom and ultimately shortchange the honor of Jehovah God. God help us. Let's pray together.